The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at Sons of Liberty Media.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Thursday morning. SonsofLibertyRadio.com, SonsofLibertyMedia.com is where you can check us out. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, we'll be covering a couple articles, some quotes from our founding fathers, some scripture, and uh, hopefully near the end of the hour, we're going to have back on um, constitutional attorney Catherine Henry from Michigan. At least that's what she told me last night, and uh, it's going to cost me, I guess, because <laughs> she's having to be up an hour earlier her time than I am. So uh, you guys loved Catherine, so we're uh, we, we're trying to have her on today to speak just a little bit about what we finished up with. You guys on the radio, I don't think you got to hear it uh, unless you jumped on YouTube or Facebook with us or caught the archives the last time she was on here the other week. So we're going to have her on at the end of the show or near the end of the show, the last segment there. If you'd like to watch that video feed and see the face that's made for radio, that's mine. Uh, you can go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, head over there, and we're, we're uh, live streaming right there on the right side of the page. Also on my Twitter account at FPPTim, Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, Facebook at Bradley Dean SOL, our YouTube channel is Dean Sons of Liberty. By the way, the backup is working today as well. That ban is off. And BeforeIt'sNews.com, we're streaming live right there on the front page, as well as DLive.TV. Look for The Sons of Liberty, The Sons of Liberty on DLive.TV. And then Spreely Gab, MeWe Minds, and USA.Life at Sons of Liberty, Sons of Liberty Media. You can check us out there. And we're also on Telegram at Sons of Liberty. If you'd like to get on there, you want to share information with like-minded individuals, hop on there and, uh, and give that a shot as well. We'd love to have you over there. If you want to call in any time, the number is 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. Before I start, let me just tell you something. Yesterday, I had a little bit of time. My wife and I didn't go down to the back side of the property where the creek is and pull out rocks for landscaping. <laughs> it was kind of rainy here, um, and so I just I did some other things. I was in one of the chat rooms on MeWe with some guys. The, the 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 chat room is called the conservative hangout. Now, if you want to know why we're in the situation we're in, it's not because of the Democrats. They've got their mask off doing what they're doing, okay? 
It's the, it's the professed conservatives, constitutionalists, Christians, who are failing to do their duty because they don't know what their duty is and they don't know what the law is. And I got to tell you, in that chat, there were people who, a friend of mine uh, that I made through there from Virginia uh, and myself were interacting with, and there were people in this conservative hangout that act like they, they say they're conservative. But when you, you point to the Constitution, well, here's the Constitution here, da, 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 and you lay those things out. Here's what the Bible says about this, this, and this. Oh, well, you guys are a bunch of Joe Biden supporters. You're a bunch of Biden moles. They're using the Alinsky tactics. Now, if you know the Alinsky tactics, you freeze it, right? <laughs> You target it, you separate it out, and you attack it. Individuals. That's what he's talking about. This guy in there was doing that exact thing that he was accusing us of doing. All we were doing was referencing the Constitution. All we were doing was referencing the Bible. That's it. Founding Fathers. That's it. I'm going to do some of that this morning. And yet, these are the conservatives. Now, I know that's not everybody, guys. I know that. There are lots of guys within the chat room who are great people. And ladies, too. I'm sorry. There's, there's a lot of wonderful ladies there, too. In our chat room, there's a lot of you listening by radio. That you know what's going on. That's why you tune into the Sons of Liberty. Even if you disagree with us, you know, and you want to go a different route in certain political avenues. You do understand at least where we're going with things. For the most part. And then there are the people who are the idolaters. That's just the way it is. Some are not. Some are. But the, At least from my vantage point. But these people were clearly idolaters. Didn't want to hear the law. Didn't want to hear founding fathers. Didn't want to hear the Bible. But somehow, we're the commie liberals. <laughs> it's just the most amazing. And it doesn't matter. It depends on what day I'm speaking. What I'm going to get from at least what I can see in the chat room, what I'm going to get from people who are listening. I'm either going to get, if you're, if you're exposing Biden, then you're the best thing in the world. But if you deal with the Trump administration on their violations of the Constitution or lack of keeping or doing their duty, then you're a liberal and you're a Biden supporter, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, it, you know, it's really a shame because we should be united around the law. That's what I've said all along. And those of you who have listened to me, you know that's what I've said. Our unity is not around a man. Trump is not the standard, neither is Biden. The law is the standard, and that's where, whereby we call out these kinds of things. Now, with that said, I'm going to have two big stories that came out this week. I'm going to give you these, and then I want to give you some a little bit of history uh, before Catherine comes on if she's able to make it this morning. The first one comes out of the state of Washington, okay? And in Washington, we find that the firearm, their firearm confiscation law was found unconstitutional. I like that. I told you all along, red flag laws, which Donald Trump promotes, which his DOJ basically bribes the states to put in, which 26 states have installed unconstitutionally under his administration 
encouraged by his words after Parkland, in violation of, gosh, I, I you know when we had Edwin Vieira on seven or seven or eight of the amendment the the first the first ten amendments of the Bill of Rights. That's what they are. Okay. Here's what we read. This is from Guns in the News. Earlier this year, in a ruling of first impression in Washington State, the Kitsap County District Court decided that the state's compulsory firearm surrender laws, I mean, our founding fathers would have pulled out whatever hair they had left in their heads had this come up. It would have never gotten to this. In fact, it didn't get to this here. Violated the Fourth and Fifth Amendments and the analogous provisions in the state constitution. Quote, in our constitutional system of government, individuals have rights that the government and its agents, including courts, must respect. Amen. Among those rights are the right to be free from compelled self-incrimination under the Fifth Amendment, the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures under the Fourth Amendment, and their counterparts under Washington's Constitution, end quote. To appreciate this ruling, it is necessary to understand the underlying statutory framework. Washington state courts issuing certain protection orders in a civil or criminal case have the authority or are required to also order that the restrained person retrieve and, quote, immediately surrender to law enforcement all firearms and dangerous weapons that the person possesses or has control over, as well as concealed pistol license or CPL, as soon as the order is issued, the restrained person becomes prohibited from possessing, acquiring, or accessing firearms and weapons and is ineligible for CPL. Within five days of the order, a restrained person must file with the court a written proof of surrender in a prescribed form under oath or alternatively a declaration that he or she has no guns, weapons, or CPL to surrender. The state law directs further that the court must verify timely and complete compliance with orders to surrender weapons by holding a compliance hearing as soon as possible. At this hearing, for any other hearing, excuse me, for any other hearing where compliance where the order or with the order to surrender weapons is addressed, the law demands that the restrained person attend and provide testimony under oath verifying their compliance. And it goes on from there. You'll be able to read this at sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll have a link to this um, on here. But the challenge to this law arose out of misdemeanor charges for fourth degree assault, the lowest level of assault brought against Zachary James Marshall. Marshall has no previous criminal history, and there is no indication in the ruling that Marshall had used or threatened to use a firearm or other dangerous weapon during the alleged assault. Before any trial on the merits, the court of Marshall's arraignment issued two orders. The first order was a domestic violence no-contract order because the charge involved a woman who qualified as an intimate partner and prohibited any contact between Marshall and the woman. State law mandates that a court issuing such um, no-contact orders also imposed a second order, a firearm surrender order under RCW 9.41.800. So they ended up overturning this, okay? And 
This is a win because, look, here's what's happening. They want to take guns at any turn for any reason. This isn't to justify what Mr. Marshall did in this case. That's not what this is. But you have to understand what goes on, what's going on in this. I've done stories where uh, a gentleman simply called, I think he was a veteran, uh, and I think he was in Virginia, actually, and he called in because he had lost his wife. His wife had died, and he wanted somebody to talk to. His kids weren't around. uh, Nobody was around. And so he calls up, I don't know if it was the VA or the hospital, and talks to somebody with counseling. They assume he's suicidal. They send the cops down there. The guy has broken, he has broken guns. I think he might have had one pistol that worked. But they were broken. They, they wouldn't even fire. One was over his, over his mantle or his doorway. I forget where it was. And um, he was using it basically for decoration. They come in, and because they assume he's a threat to himself just because he wanted somebody to talk to. He wasn't suicidal. He just wanted to talk to somebody. They come in and confiscate his guns. No crime, no nothing. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. The violation of the Fourth Amendment, the violation of the Fifth Amendment, the violation of the Second Amendment, all of this kind of stuff. I would say a violation of the First Amendment. He just wanted somebody to talk to, free speech. But here in Washington State, one of the things... Uh, that's pointed out is uh, that the ruling has significant limitations apart from being a decision of a lower tier state court. This is also from the article with limited effect on other courts in the state, but it is a major win because it goes back to the constitution to say, Hey, you can't be doing this kind of stuff. Okay. In fact, our Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution is supposed to protect this kind of stuff anyway, unless there's an indictment. Okay? So, in Washington State, here's a win for the people's liberty. Now, if you recall, when we had um, Catherine on, just after the radio show had ended and we carried over for a few minutes for those who were listening and who didn't come over or catch the archives and catch the end of the show, about 15 minutes we went over that day. Uh, and for you guys, I'll have that in the archive too. We'll put that in there if you want to uh, be able to check that out. We had Michigan, the administration bans open carry at the polls. Now, one of the things that I asked Uh, Catherine at the time was, I said, do you think this is in conjunction with the alleged kidnapping of the governor? And the interesting thing was, she said, well, you know, we have lots of mission, we have lots of militia here in Michigan. And the militia, she says, I'm finding it hard to buy into that. I think these were her words. I'll I'll get her to clarify them. But if I recall correctly, she was basically saying the militia would be the ones to go and arrest her and bring her to justice, bring her to court just like a policeman would do anybody else. That's the way it's supposed to operate, folks. This is what I'm saying. You are the answer in the militia. Not Donald Trump, not the Congress, not your senator. You are. You're the answer. You say, what are we supposed to do? Well, start forming the militia because according to the Constitution, the militia exists for the executing of the law, of which the president is supposed to call them up. To do that, I mean, on the federal level. 
In the state, I suppose the governors can do that as well. Of course, if you're the governor in the state and you're corrupt, uh, <laughs> that's going to be a different issue. But uh, this was back on the on the October the 16th. The Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, issued a guidance prohibiting the open carry of firearms at polling places on Election Day. I mean, this is a clear violation of the Second Amendment, isn't it? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed unless you're going to vote. Is that what it says? Nope. Unless you're going to a political event? Nope, doesn't say anything about that. This leads me to something else. All these people put up all these signs, vote for me, vote for this, that, and the other, and that's fine. That's fine. That's part of free speech, too. But on election day, they're told, you're told, well, you can't wear a hat with whatever your political slogan is or your person. You can't have, you can't be passing out pamphlets about your particular person that you're wanting to promote at the polling places. I got a question for you. Where did that authority come from to write those laws? Isn't that an infringement upon the rights that are supposed to be protected in the First Amendment? I believe it is. But see, we've allowed... Here's what's happened. We have allowed, because of the corruption that exists in government, in order to deal with government, we don't bring those people to justice. What we do is allow our representatives to shirk their responsibility and write laws that infringe on our liberty. Did you get that? So that they look like they're doing something. They are doing something. They're acting tyrannically by not upholding the existing law and bringing justice against the corruption. Instead, they're infringing infringing on the rights of the people. Can't carry a gun. Well, why do you need to carry a gun to the polls, Tim? Are you expecting a war there? Well, maybe. Maybe. But that's not the point. As Catherine said in the interview that we had with her, she has the right to defend herself. And while the other side is saying, well, we don't need guns at the polls because it might scare people and this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. And she goes, well, what about if I'm fearful that somebody might come there and try to do me harm? And then I'm unarmed. Good point. You see how they take it? They don't do their job and bring justice against the the corrupt and the criminal. They attack the law-abiding. It's the very opposite of what Romans 13 says, for those of you who don't know. Romans 13 says that there is no reason for you to fear those who are the ministers of God, for they're there, and they wield the sword, by the way. That's, um, this would be the arms, okay, against the guilty. They are to punish evildoers, not those who do good. In fact, they're to praise them. They're to be a mercy to those who do good, but they're to be a terror to those who do evil as the minister of God. For those of you who think religion has nothing to do with anything and anything, you need to go back and look in our history. It ha- the Christian faith, not the Christian religion, the Christian faith had everything to do with our founding. When the pilgrims got off the Mayflower, first thing they did was talk about they're here to establish 
themselves for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So, Michigan got sued. Okay? The Attorney General got sued for this uh, little fiasco that, that went on here with uh, Miss Benson. And once they sued them, then the Michigan uh, in Michigan, a judge struck it down. They can carry. This comes from um, October the 28th, but it was for the 27th. Judge Christopher Murray of the, of the um, Michigan Court of Claims struck down the guidance prohibiting the open carry of firearms at polling places on Election Day that Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson previously issued on October the 16th. Judge Murray cited the fact that Secretary Benson did not follow the proper procedure required under the state's Administrative Procedures Act in making this directive, which goes beyond state law. Secretary Benson announced that she will appeal the ruling, ah, surprise, surprise, just like her mama. Talking about Governor Whitner, Whitmer. These people are relentless in their wickedness. And as such, they have to be brought to justice and they have to have some kind of punishment that follows that as well. Okay? And the people of Michigan are pursuing that. Listener, what are you pursuing in your state? So what do we do? Well, go find you an attorney who's like Miss Henry. Maybe you can get in touch with her. And maybe she's got some contacts in your state and point you in the right direction and go after the criminal representatives who aren't representing the law. And they aren't representing you either if they're doing this. Okay? They're not doing that. Let me give you a couple of things. Because I know some people out there, I know a lot of you hear what I'm saying. But there's always people there who say, well, Tim, I'm a Christian and I'm basically a pacifist. I, I don't do any of these things, you know. Look, conscience is one thing, but eventually, and, and liberty is one thing, but eventually mature Christians have to take the weaker Christians and they have to begin to encourage them to grow and be strong, not to remain weak. This is what I've said about things like when Paul talks in Romans, when he says, I... I look after the conscience of my weaker brother. If, if, if it's offensive for him that I eat meat, I won't eat meat for the sake of my weaker brother. If it's offensive to him that I drink wine, and that's not grape juice he's talking about, guys. It's wine, okay? There's different words that you can use in the Greek and the Hebrew for wine and for grape juice and for raisins. And he uses the term for fermented juice, Okay? He says, if that's offensive to my weaker brother, then I won't drink it. But do you think Paul would be loving if he let the weaker brother remain weak and not teach him? Not push something on his conscience, but teach him about the liberty that we have in Christ? He wouldn't be a very good teacher. He wouldn't be a very good discipler. And the same thing happens with those who have a problem with arms and want to stand against that and reject that. Okay, so let me give you a couple of things. First, I'm going to give you from the founding fathers. Okay, and then I'm going to go to the scripture because I think 
at the time they're there and the time they lived in the 1700s, they understood because they had been through a lot of things. If you read the, um, the paper I have about the um, British coming and taking the guns, you can see where a lot of the, fir- the First Amendments were there in the Bill of Rights. You can see where those were written and why they were written, because the guys experienced these things. And they're based really off of natural law coming from biblical law. Okay? Here's what Noah Webster said. Before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed. As they are in almost every kingdom in Europe, the supreme power in America excuse me, the supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be on any pretense raised in the United States. And by the way, we're going to have, we're going to, have to do a show on a standing army too uh, because the Founding Fathers had a lot to say about that and so does the Bible. That's not a good thing, okay, to have that. Patrick Henry, oh, sir, we should have fine times indeed if to punish tyrants, if it were not, excuse me, it were only sufficient to assemble the people. Your arms wherewith you could defend yourselves are gone, and you have no longer an uh, aristocratical, (laughs) that's a big word for me, no longer a democratical spirit. Did you ever read of any revolution in a nation brought about by the punishment of those in power, inflicted by those who had no power at all? No, you did not. No, you did not. There is nothing so likely to produce peace as to be well prepared to meet an enemy. George Washington. William Penn said, It is a great mark of the corruption of our natures and what ought to humble us extremely and excite the exercise of our reason to a nobler and juster sense that we cannot see the use and pleasure of our comforts but by the want of them as if we could not taste the benefit of health but by the help of sickness nor understand the satisfaction of fullness without the instruction of want not finally know the comfort of peace but by the smart and penance of the vices of war and without dispute that is not the least or the less reason that god is pleased to chastise us so frequently with it william penn and in doing that and in bringing war what do we see i mean i've got tons of these quotes guys Uh, Thomas Jefferson, for a people who are free and who mean to remain so, a well-organized and armed militia is their best security. I want you to hear that, people. It is not just your individual right to keep and bear arms. That is there. That's so clear in the Second Amendment. I don't know how you can miss it. But oftentimes, the thing that doesn't get talked about, and the NRA is terrible about this, and most Second Amendment organizations are terrible about this, is they leave off the militia. It's your community of people who are well-armed, who do have that right to keep and bear arms. And why do they have it? It's for the security of a free state guarded by who? The militia. 
The militia is not a ragtag bunch of guerrilla warfare guys running through the woods every day, sniping off their neighbors and this, that. That's not what they're doing. They're those who are to execute the law, suppress and or suppress. Oh, just lost the thing. Repel invasions and suppress insurrections. Sorry about that. They are the law. They are the law enforcers, the constitutional ones. They're the ones under the direction of the president to put down these riots that you see all across the country in the big cities. And I got to thinking about that. You know, all the excuses is given. Well, you know, the guys in the military told Trump that they wouldn't do it. You know what? This guy, Donald Trump was the apprentice, right? Wasn't he? What was his famous line in that? You're fired. If they won't do what they're supposed to do under the commander-in-chief, under the law, then you fire them. This is pretty simple. (laughs) This is pretty simple. It's not hard to understand at all. In fact, when we go to Scripture, again, I referenced this the other day, Luke 22, 36, Jesus himself said to his disciples, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. Remember, he sent them out two by two before without all those things, and he provided for them. He says, now you take this. This is the night before he's to be crucified. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. And immediately after that, we see them up on the Mount of Olives. And what happens? Will the soldiers come out? Jesus said, I'm there with you every day in the temple. And now you're coming to me in the midst of the night with clubs and swords. And Peter, being the inept swordsman that he is, whips out his sword. By the way, Jesus knew he had a sword. He was wearing it there on his side. Pulls it out on of his side, aims for the head, gets an ear. And Jesus says, Peter, put your sword away. Put it back where it was. He doesn't say throw it away and get rid of it. He says, put it back where it was. There's a number of reasons why that is. First, Jesus had told Peter. Peter was the immediate rebuker. You know, I don't know why Rome wants to focus on Peter as the first pope, (laughs) citing Matthew 16, because immediately after that, Peter rejects the gospel. And Jesus calls him Satan for doing so. And in this moment, Peter's doing the same thing, because Jesus has already been telling him he's going to the cross. And this is what he's doing. Now, over and over... We see, I mentioned Romans 13, for he is God's servant. He's talking about the king, or we could apply that to, any, to the one who's in authority, who has this authority to punish. He's just God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he's a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Okay? On the wrongdoer. I mean, there's tons of stuff. We have David, a man after God's own heart. First Samuel 25, 13 says, And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. <laughs> they were not pacifists in the Old or the New Testaments. Why? Because their God didn't change. Strap on his sword, and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword, and about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. That's from the English Standard Standard Version. 
We're told in the law, Exodus 22, 2, that if a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. Hmm. That's called self-defense. It's called looking after your family. If you're a person who has, if you're a man, and you have wife and children, and you go, oh, I don't need to worry about any of that. I, I just, I couldn't bring my, you're not very good husband. You're not demonstrating love for them. It is not unbiblical. It is not immoral for you to have a gun to defend your family. It's not. And that doesn't matter if you go to a polling place or if you go into a government building. I mean, somehow the cops there can have guns and it doesn't bother anybody. Yeah, but Tim, somebody could come in and do that. There, those people who would come in and shoot up places like that don't care about your laws anyway. They're violating them in the process. But what government does is make you think that by you being disarmed, you're somehow safer. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It really is. It's unlawful, too. It's really unlawful. When we go to the book of Luke... Oh, again, that was one that I had already mentioned, where Jesus talks about getting the sword. All of this applies to the very issues that we're talking about right now. It is not something separate that somehow doesn't matter. Too many people I see and that I talk with who may disagree with me on things think it is more important that a particular political figure win, whatever that may be, win the office, I guess, than it is to preserve their liberty and to uphold the law, even when that political idol that they want in the office is violating the law in ways that his opponent isn't, or maybe in the same ways. we got to get out of that mindset. The people in government work for us, not the other way around. And when they don't do their when they do their job, we just go, hey, you did your job. That's what we elected you to do. Great. When they don't do their job, that's where our responsibility is to call it out, to point it out, to point back to the law to say, this is why you didn't do your job. And to make this a point. This is what's happened in Michigan. This is what's happened in Washington State. It needs to be happening all across the country. And I think in many places it is happening across the country. Um, let me give you a few more of these. Simeon Howard, some of you are not even familiar with this guy. He's a founding father too. Men are also bound individuals in societies to take care of their temporal happiness and do all they lawfully can to promote it. But what can be more uh, inconsistent with this duty than submitting to great encroachments upon our liberty? Such submission tends to slavery, and complete slavery implies every evil that the malice of man and devils can inflict." And they're pointing back to the right to keep and bear arms. James Madison, father of the Constitution. Always remember that 
An armed and trained militia is the firmest bulwark of republics, that without standing armies, their liberty can never be in danger, nor with large ones safe. You understand that? The people in the militia are to be those who secure their liberty. And they do so by keeping and bearing arms. Plain and simple. Now, I talked to you the other day, if you were on the afternoon show, about the honey badger issue. It seems like this is the same nonsense coming out of the Trump ATF on the bump stocks. Oh, well, we got this out here. It's an AR pistol, basically. And now, right before the election, they're coming. Oh, well, it looks like it might be a short barrel rifle. That means we're going to get $200 more out of you. So they got a 60-day stay on that. I got a question for you. Where in the Constitution did we authorize the ATF? Furthermore, where in the Constitution did we give any authority to Congress or the ATF to restrict or regulate our arms? Now, there's no doubt there's regulation of the militia, but that means to make it regular. I don't see them making it very regular. I don't see them training the volunteer citizen militia Setting that up as the Constitution says Congress split. No, I see them demonizing them. They're demonizing the people. That's you and me, the militia folks. And it's on both sides of the aisle that they're doing that. Thomas Paine, one of the least religious, least Christian, non-Christian, whatever, of the founding fathers, said, in a general view, there are very few concepts that repay the charge of making them. And mankind are pretty well convinced that it can never be worth their while to go to war for profit's sake. If they are made war upon, their country invaded, or their existence at stake, it is their duty to defend and preserve themselves, but in every other light and from every other cause is war inglorious and detestable. How do you defend yourself? How do you defend yourself? If you are not armed, how do you do that? Richard Henry Lee is another one. A militia, when properly formed, are in fact the people themselves and include all men capable of bearing arms. That's who the militia is. I want you to remember that. These are your founding fathers who threw off tyranny. Let me ask you, fellow American, are you tired of the corruption? Are you tired of the criminals in D.C. and in your state, in your local governments that get put into office and they just violate the law and your rights and your your neighbor's rights all over the place? They oppress you. Are you tired of it? Are you tired of the things like we've constantly been seeing with Joe Biden, the constant coming out of the corruption, of the crimes that have been committed by his family, and nothing's done? Are you tired of hearing the, the 
trail of dead bodies and the crimes of the Clintons. Hmm. You're tired of it being just exposed and not punished. You can have a hand in that process. It's called the militia. I'm not saying go be vigilantes. What I'm saying is the Constitution provides for that. We need to get together. We need to start <clears throat> bringing the people together in the communities, forming the, the lawful militia. I'd say go find your sheriff. If you can't get the state to get on board with it, go find your sheriff. Say, hey, we want to do this. We want to be lawful. We don't want to do something in the dark. We want to be trained. How about you put some training to us? Help us out with this. Help organize us. One day you may need us. That's the issue. What are we going to do here? And I think the militia is one of the least talked about, most underrated things in the Second Amendment community. The people who, you know, are part of the Second Amendment community, whether you're NRA or GOA or I don't even know all the the uh, the outlets that are that are out there, the Second Amendment groups. It's one of the least talked about things. The individual right is very important. Don't get me wrong. Okay? But it's that militia coming together that is to be a terror towards those who are evil. In fact, if you want to bring Romans 13 into play here, they're the ones bearing the sword, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Why? Because in our form of government... It's the people who are to be self-governing. We the people in order to form a more perfect union, right? Not the government is forming the people. It's the other way around. The people are forming the federal government. The people form the state government. And they delegate their authority, our authority. Okay? We delegate it to certain people to handle properly, to uphold the law. And that's why it's very important. That's why it's very important that when we have people in office, when we call out the crimes of the current administration or the ones before it, or whatever the case may be, it isn't an act of hate. It's calling them to obey the law. Same thing happens when you talk to somebody about the gospel. You hold the law of God up and you say, here's what God has said. Now repent, do what's right. That's what's going on. In fact, let me give you another one from the Old Testament. You guys remember when there was um, this issue of the people wanting to build the wall of Jerusalem and the city, and they were commanded to go do so? And the people around them says, oh, no, 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 we got to shut this down real quick. We can't be allowing this to take place. Well, we're told in the Scripture that in order to get the job done, what they did was, was that they took and they had the trowel in one hand and they had their spears, their swords in the other hand. And they were defending themselves uh, against the invaders while they built the city. This is where Charles Spurgeon got his famous sword and trowel that he used, the title for his newsletter that he put out. Now, with that said, 
We're coming up on the end of the show here, and we asked Catherine Henry to join us this morning. And uh, Catherine, you're there. Good morning. Yes, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> we, we, owe, we owe you a lot of money, I guess, for this. You were joking with me that, that we owe you big time this morning. Um, look, how about telling people real quickly, I just gave them a brief overview that there is another victory there in Michigan, and that is over the issue of people being able to carry their guns to the polls. I, I told them that uh, I, I believe we covered this just after the radio show ended last time. We went over a few minutes and you spoke to that. Do you want to tell people exactly what went on there uh, in that ruling this week? Yeah, so the um, the judge in this case in the Court of Claims, which is the trial level, he actually um, issued an order granting um, partial relief to the plaintiff's um, emergency motion for preliminary injunction. So um, they were asking, there were two, there are actually two cases kind of side by side on the same issue. They were consolidated and the judge uh, decided that he would um, grant part of that. So essentially um, putting the pause button on what happened um, with the secretary of state. Um, it, it, it is good news in that sense, but um, I have to also be the bearer of bad news because more and more what I'm seeing is that even when we have these supposedly, you know, good decisions that are happening by our judges here, it's actually not really um, completely good based on the reasoning and things that they're doing. Hmm. Um, So what he said is um, that um, at the beginning of the opinion, he has a line in here that says, it is important to recognize that this case is, not about whether it's a good idea to openly carry a firearm at a polling place or whether the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution prevents the Secretary of State's um, October 16th directive. After all, the court's duty is not to act as an overseer of the Department of State. Well, I I don't know. I, I guess he forgot. Um, as a judge here in the state of Michigan, he took an oath of office to uphold the U.S. and Michigan constitutions. Yep. And quite frankly, our state constitution has even better wording for our, our right to bear arms here. Uh, Article 1, Section 6 of our state constitution. Um, and so he doesn't even mention that. And uh, he says that this whole thing, his whole premise behind the decision is, well, it's not that it's bad. It's not that she can't do this. What she, what she really has to do, though, is follow the Administrative Procedures Act. So she has to jump through all these procedural hoops. Then she's allowed to make a rule that says we can't carry firearms at a polling precinct. What in the world? What? Exactly. That's exactly what he said. Ah. So he comes so, to the proper conclusion, but he he got there by basically cheating. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to say it because it, it's it's like the law is to be upheld. He's to find out what the law is and then apply that to the situation. And yet he's saying, oh, if you go around this way, then you can infringe on people's liberties. And that's just fine. Am, am I hearing you right? Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll take I'll take the win for now. Um but, yeah, it's just something that we have to keep in mind is that, you know, people often are, I mean, 
they're lazy about it. Okay. So people hear a court decision, um, all across Michigan. I bet everybody heard about it in the news and they, you know, they, they read a, a headline somewhere and then they stopped there and they didn't read further and they think, Oh, this is great. It's a victory. And you know, um, I had people from outside of our state even emailing me about this wonderful victory. And I thought, did you not read the opinion? This is terrible. So, you know, it's in it just, it's not what you asked me to talk about today, but I, you probably also want to know, we have a Republican led legislature here in the state of Michigan, and they've been quietly sneaking around these last few weeks, trying to introduce a whole bunch of bills, not trying to actually introducing a whole bunch of bills that really serve to curb our liberties here. And our governor is just happily signing them. So last week, we had a law put into place, House Bill 6032, that violates the Constitution in so many ways. I I would take up more than what's left in your program. But the main uh, essence of it is, if you have any of the so-called principal symptoms of COVID-19, a sore throat, muscle aches, a fever, you know, the, the kinds of symptoms that everybody here in Michigan encounters throughout the winter because we have very cold winters and no sun for a long time, you literally cannot go to work for at least 14 days. And then it says in there, if, you, um, if you're an employee for a company and the company isn't following, you know, some sort of, again, I'm going to use the air quotes here, uh, COVID-19 procedures uh, that were put out by our Department of Health or somebody else that didn't have the legal authority to control us. Um, and, you know, the, you don't like that the company isn't following a mask mandate or something else of that nature, um, trying to, you know, do contact tracing methods or take people's temperatures when they come into the place of business, all those crazy things. Uh, but this law says that you can now not be fired, punished, or, you know, have any kind of, you know, ramifications for trying to report your employer for not doing all these unconstitutional things. And what's worse is that they put statutory damages in there. So, you know, if, if you report your employer and, you know, that they say, you know what, this isn't going to work. We, we don't want to have somebody working here that's uh, going to report us for not violating other people's rights. That's insane. Um, then the company has to pay you at least $5,000 in damages. But what's worse yet is that they made this bill retroactive to March 1st before the state of emergency was ever even declared. Um, and on top of that, uh, a lot of people don't understand that ex post facto laws, Article 1, Section 9 of our state constitution, Article 1, Section 10 of our, of our excuse me, United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 10 of our United States con- yep. Constitution, and in our, our state constitution, we have a similar provision as well, that you can't make a law right. that's retroactive to punish people like that after yep. the fact. So it is so unconstitutional in a variety of ways. And this is just one tiny example. And I will say that there were, I think, about 15 of our Republican legislators who introduced this bill. And it was 101 that voted in favor of it in the House, 37 that voted in favor of it in the Senate, zero voting against it. The only 
uh, people not voting in favor of it were just not there voting that day. Disgusting. It's just purely disgusting. So that's what's happening here in Michigan right now. See, this, I'm glad you brought that up, and, and I'm glad you made point of that because I, I, I talked about this being a win along with uh, with Washington, and I guess it is a win in the ruling itself that uh, it, it says what you did was was wrong. I, I get it. The thinking is bad. That's got to be corrected. I guess you're going to have to go down there and spank somebody and tell them, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is not how you do this. <laughs> Uh, which uh, I know that uh, you're one who gets involved with that. And, you know, I think I appreciate also that you're pointing out here are the Republicans doing things that are unlawful. They're infringing on the rights of the people. They're punishing businesses based on their unlawful legislation. They're wanting to do that. It's ridiculous. Now, getting on the gun thing, you know, this is something, too. And this is something I I mentioned the other day when we talked about the honey badger issue going on with the ATF, because I've said people uh, said, oh, what are you getting so worked up? The the ATF got rid of the uh, the bump stock. Yeah, but it was ex post facto. They made anybody who had a bump stock a criminal. Uh, People were having to go out of business because they made that. People were having to destroy thousands of these things. It cost a lot of money. Uh, and it was ex post facto. They didn't have any authority to do it, to, not only to not write law, but to make it up as they went to change their, their decision. I think this honey badger thing falls into that. And I read something where the National Association, the National Rifle Association, again, they're supposed to be conservative. That's the way they're presented and all this Second Amendment. And all. Here's what they said about gun control. The National Rifle Association has been in support of workable, enforceable Gun control legislation since its very inception in 1871. The truth is, NRA supports many gun laws, including federal and state laws. NRA has also assisted in writing both federal and state gun laws. That's from the NRA themselves. And so when we have these kinds of things from from those who are who are telling us they're defending it, how can we expect anything less from those that they're uh, conniving with, whether they're judges or politicians or, or whoever? I think that's the real sad part of the situation. Uh, Catherine Henry, I appreciate you getting up a little early and coming on just to tell us what was going on. That was very informative. Tell people where they can find out more about you and, and where they can check you out. Yes, RestoreFreedomKH.com is my website. That's RestoreFreedomK as in Catherine, H as in Henry, dot com. And uh, lots of information on there. Uh, just at this uh, early hour, I, I tend to not have my hair brushed. So um. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, guys, be sure to check out Catherine's uh, site there. And uh, we'll have that linked up in the archives as well. Thank you, Catherine, for taking time for us today. Guys, tomorrow, if you want to hear what a person running for the U.S. Senate sounds like from a constitutional perspective, not your Republican, Democrat, right and left, join me to talk with Kevin Hayes tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. See ya.